Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Welcome. Glad that you're with us. We've been in the series called The Good News, Sharing Jesus in a Skeptical World. Uh, you might be a guest with us hanging out for the first time. Uh, it's awesome being here in church, and we get to have baptisms later. Come on now. Like, let's get excited for that. These people have taken the step, listened to the good news, accepted Jesus as their Lord and leader. Now, they're going to demonstrate that publicly. Uh, here's the thing. It, in our world, our culture, there's a lot of junk out there, right? A lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of distraction. And here's what we have as followers of Jesus, the good news, the gospel, that can radically transform a community, that can radically transform a household, that can radically transform a life. So we've been in this series called The Good News, and uh, it, it's kind of, it, it became a, a thing back in Easter when we asked you, what did you want us to teach about? The number one topic that you re responded back on the survey the, during the Easter time was the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit earlier this year. The second, maybe by just a survey or two less, was how to share your faith. Church, we carry the best news. We call it the good news, the gospel message. You and I are called to share that good news. First week, we talked about how as followers of Jesus, we need to get off our soapbox. You know, back in the day, we, they would stand on the soapbox and they would just yell and yell and yell and try to teach and teach about Jesus. That really, sharing about Jesus begins with a lifestyle. Sharing about Jesus begins in your community with your community, who you're hanging out with. Following week, we talked about hospitality, that whenever we're talking about Jesus, that you need to be able to treat a stranger and a friend alike. The third week of our series, last week, we talked about how we need to help people encounter Jesus, stop trying to over-explain Jesus. And I think a lot of times we believe if we have more information, the better things turn out. I don't know if that's really the case. Have you seen the news lately, right? There's all this information, and it seems like the world is spinning even faster and in more mayhem. So today, I want to give you number tip number four. Very simple. Listen. Everybody say that on the count of three. One, two, three. Listen. One of the most valuable tools you have to sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus came in a manger, that Jesus died on the cross for each and everyone who believes that God raised him three days later from the grave. Therefore, defeating sin, defeating death, writing and rewriting history and rewriting our eternity, it's so we can have a relationship with God, is when we believe in Jesus and what he's done. It's the gospel. We call it the good news. And the most valuable, one of the most valuable tools we have to share that good news with somebody is our ability to listen. James chapter 1, verse 19, Jesus' half-brother, uh, uh, someone who is a leader of the church back in this time, says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be what? Quick to 
listen. Everybody say, quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Proverbs puts it this way. The writer says in 18 verse 13, if anyone gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. If anybody speaks before he understands, it is folly and shame. Right now, we live in a day and age where more people want to speak quicker than listen quicker, right? Come on, ladies. Like, if you're married in this room, like, nudge your husband, right? Like, yeah, we know it. Here's the thing. If we want to be effective at sharing the good news of Jesus, we need to listen the way you would like to be listened to. Listen the way you would like to be listened to. I think one of the, the, the greatest mistakes that, that we make is we're just not very good listeners. The top spiritual quality uh, that, that a spiritually curious person is looking for is someone that listens without judgment. Someone that listens without judgment. I want you to think of the best listener in your life. Put them in your mind. Someone that hears you, that you connect with, they're like, man, you could go to them over any problem, any issue, and they just hear you out. How does that make you feel? It makes you feel great. Now on the other side, think of someone that like, man, you say something to them, you don't know if it's going to go hit the gossip mill. You don't know if they're going to give you every answer. You don't know if they're going to just, you don't know what they're going to do. As followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity to share Jesus by just sitting there and listening to people going through things. But the truth is, we can all be bad listeners, right? Right? How many of us know that, hey, uh, we're not the best listeners at a time? that we've made some mistakes. In fact, it always happens. Anytime I'm kind of preparing for a message in a week and whatnot, my, my, there's always something that happens relating to the topic. Uh, my wife comes in, she goes, hey, we need to talk about our schedule. And I'm like, all right, let's talk about our schedule. At this time, I'm, I'm watching the game. There's a TV, there's me at the chair. And my wife kind of comes in with the dining room chair and kind of, kind of intercepts, you know, she's like in view of the TV. She's like, Hey, uh, Blake, so let's, let's talk about the schedule. I'm like, uh-huh. So I do one of these things. Fellas, like, you're with me. You're like, let's talk. Yep. Got, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Oh, babe, I agree 100%. And she's like, what are you looking at? You're like, you're listening. I'm listening. I am listening, Brittany. Like, you just keep speaking. Like, I got you. And then guess what happens about 20 minutes later? Brittany goes to the other room. I go, hey, so what's our schedule this week? Ever been there? Like, okay, maybe, maybe you're raising kids. You ever use this line, you just don't listen? Like, why can't you listen? Like, you get all, like, mad. Like, in our nature, we are people who do not like to listen. We want to be people with the answers, not people who listen. Like, if you're raising, like, adult kids and you're like, man, that, I don't know how they turned out like that. <laughs> if they only would have what? Listened. Or maybe you're, you're, you're a leader, you're a business owner, and you're like, man, my employees, they just don't listen. It's struggling managing them. It's, it's complicating managing them. Why? Because our default is not to listen well. That's why James says this, be quick to listen, 
slow to speak and slow to become angry. My mother, growing up, always told me this, Blake, there is a reason you have two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to listen twice as much as we speak. It's important that we learn to listen. Here's, here's the thing. We carry the good news. I've been asking this question. How many of us have people who, who have loved ones, people we care for that we know they need Jesus? You know how they're going to be able to, to know Jesus? One way is when you're willing to listen. I think a lot of times in this church, in, in, in church in America, church globally, we are quick to speak. But here at Faith, we want to be people that listen. Listen effectively. Anytime you see the, the news, the 24-hour cycle, and, and you see what's taking place in the Middle East, everybody's like, hey, they, they go on to social media, and they go on to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, whatever it's called now, and, and TikTok, and they're like, this is what we should believe, and this is how we should do it, and, and everybody has their great opinion. Jesus doesn't say, hey, go and give your opinion. Jesus doesn't say, hey, go and give all your scholarly advice. Don't repost, reshare whatever you feel like it is just like up your alley in the affirmation. You know what Jesus says? He says, love God, love people, go and make disciples. So as our church, as we move through in these days, complicated, complex days in society, you know what we're going to be known for? Our listening ability. And you know what the preacher up here is all excited about? We're all going to be great listeners, right? There's a test after today's service. That means if you can't pass it, you can't go eat. You know, like we're locking the doors. I'm kidding. But we need to be listeners. Like the way you want your kid to listen, the way you want your loved one to listen, the way you want your lost one to listen to the transformative gospel message depends heavily on how well you listen. Listen the way you want to be listened to. So I'm going to take you to the story. John chapter 1, verse 29. It's Jesus coming onto the scene in the gospel of John. Uh, and, and we see this man who's known by John the Baptist. Now, there's a lot of Johns throughout the Bible. Like there's a lot of Brian's or Smith's in life. There's a lot of John's throughout the Bible. We have John the Baptist who is different than the author of John the Beloved who wrote this gospel. John the Baptist was this individual that came before Jesus that kind of set the table for, for Jesus to arrive. He was mentioned in the Old Testament prophecy and, and as we, we arrive to the scene, John would go and baptize people with water, this idea of, uh, of repentance and understanding. He would start declaring about Jesus and, and he would start uh, sharing and, and, and telling everybody that, hey, there's this person who he is even unfit to can carry his sandal. Now, this is mind-boggling for his audience. 
John the Baptist, whenever he would preach or share about this man who was coming, and people would say, you couldn't even, he wouldn't even carry, you can't even carry a sandal, but John, you're such a good guy. He's like, that just tells you how great this guy is. Because in Jewish culture, it was mind-blowing. One of the nastiest of the nastiest things to do was clean someone's nasty sandal feet. Streets weren't made of concrete. Streets weren't paved. They weren't nice. Sidewalks weren't dressed up. It wasn't anything like that. It was like when you walk through the street and it rained, your feet became nasty. You think your friends, you think your wife, you think whoever else in your life have nasty feet? Back then, they had it 10 times more. And John says, I can't even carry his sandals. So we see Jesus come onto the scene. First John chapter 1, or excuse me, John chapter 1, verse 29. Follow with me. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God. This is the only, this is, uh, the Lamb of God is the only title that attributes to the author John, the beloved. It's fascinating. Like John's setting the table. He's saying, hey, this is the ultimate sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one who is talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I feel I have, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed in Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples, and as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed him. They followed Jesus. These two disciples, many of you know, one's named Andrew, one name's the actual author, John the Beloved. And in verse 38, Jesus looked around and saw them following. Ask this question, what do you want? Jesus was a listener. See, here's the overarching thing I want us to, to capture. If people don't feel like they're being listened to, then they're not going to listen to what the good news, the gospel message of what we're carrying the first way we impact a life is being someone who's open-handed, saying, I want to listen to what is taking place in your life. And that leads us to this. Tonight, today, I want to talk to you about three insights that we pull from this passage when it comes to listening. The first one is this. Good listeners are able to share the gospel, the good news, because they value the power of listening. They value the power of listening. Jesus is in this crowd. John the Baptist has been talking about him. He's declaring multiple times. They're saying he's the Messiah. Multiple times, John's saying, you're the Lamb of God. Multiple times, Jesus is, is, is kind of being honed in on, and, and John's seen it. They probably walked by each other, gave each other the wink, and Jesus is probably like, I got you, John. I'm almost here to get you out of this mess, so I'll take care of the rest. And, and they see each other, and they're having this moment. 
And Jesus' response when the disciples come, Jesus doesn't give them a a three-point sermon. Jesus doesn't refer to Scripture and say, hey, let me quote as much Scripture as I know. Jesus doesn't try to fix the disciples. Jesus listens and said, hey, you know what? You heard that I'm the Lamb of God. What do you want? He asked. What do you want? You ever found it? Like Jesus had every right, every opportunity to be like, hey, let me tell you just a little about what I'm coming to do. I'm coming to save the world. I'm coming to, to die for everybody's sin. Like, yeah, you better, better recognize who you're in presence with. Jesus doesn't say that. He asks him a question. What do you want? Have you ever wondered, like, why would Jesus respond with a question? The reason Jesus responds with a question is because he's pulling at their hearts. He's pulling at their feelings. He's pulling at their curiosity. Because oftentimes, we are led by what we feel, and then we respond to the facts that follow. So these guys were searching for hope. They were searching for answers to big life questions. John the Baptist comes along and says, if you want answers, follow Jesus. If you need answers, follow Jesus. I had this friend of mine who I got to know through the years, and uh, when I was learning his story, it was really fascinating because, you know, you, like, you hear someone's story and you're like, I never would have expected that. And I'm talking to my buddy, and their, their marriage from, from as long as I knew him, like, seemed great. Kids seemed great. Like, he was a devoted follower of Jesus. I was amazed by how well his kids behaved and how on fire he was for, for Jesus and his church and sharing the good news. And I'm like, well, hey, take me back to the beginning. Like, how did you come to know Jesus? He says, um, well, things weren't always pretty for him. Things weren't always great, grand, and, and awesome for him. He says, actually, at the beginning of our marriage, uh, with him and his wife, they're on the brink of divorce to the point where like, they're talking about it. They're, they're coming up with a plan. They're trying to say, hey, you take this. And he's like, I didn't want to you know, dismiss my family. Like, and, and, and he was eaten up inside. He was like, I didn't know what to do. I was broken. He said he would go to Sunday uh, to the office just to stare at the walls to get out of the house. Like They were distraught. They were hurt. He didn't know what to do, but he knew his marriage was ended. So one day he's getting ready to go to the office and he gets out and he goes, gets to a car, but he noticed across the street, one of his neighbors, they're like, hey, it's, it's about 10 a.m., they're getting ready for, they're out there, his son and boy, they're playing catch back and forth, and the mom comes out of the house and she goes, all right, let's go, fellas. They hop in the car, family's all smiles, everything's going well, and he's like, man, there's something different about that family. Like, what are they doing at 10 a.m. right now? Are they like, he's not going golfing. Like, like what, what's he doing? He's not hitting the pool. Like, you know, the weather's not nice. And so he's trying to figure out why are they so happy? Are they going on vacation? So he drives off to work and, and his family, and his family, they leave and they kind of leave at the same time, waves at his neighbor, finally comes to himself. He's like, so he's so kind of like uh, just down and out, sees his neighbor outside later on in that week. And he goes, hey, uh, I just had to ask, you guys look so joyful. What'd you guys do at 10 o'clock? Like, it looks so fun. Like, maybe that fun thing you do, I can take my family to have, like, one moment of fun. And he goes, oh, man, every Sunday we go to church. He's like, huh? You go to church? He's like, he never thought about church. He's like, church isn't really my thing. Church is where a bunch of Bible thumpers go and a bunch of people who are very, like, closed-minded go. He's like, not really in church. He's like, hey, dude, why don't you bring your family to come? He's like, man, we're going through a divorce. It's not really. He's like, yeah, just try it. So this man was curious. My buddy was curious. 
On the other side, he's like, hey, I'll give it one final Hail Mary shot to save my marriage. Ends up going to church. Fast forward 20 years later, because of this curiosity that was posed, because this individual was listening to his problems with his marriage, with what was taking place, says, hey, why don't you come? There's some answers you're searching for. I'm going to listen to your problems. I'm going to listen to your hurts and pains. And let me just try to give you this man by the name of a solution. His name is Jesus. And it can maybe like lean into your curiosity. He said that was always a defining point in his life. So many people around us have curiosity that is taking place. What do they do? How do, how do I live my life? I got questions. I'm going through hurt. I have depression. I have anxiety. My marriage is falling apart. I wake up. I'm ticked off. I get home from work. I'm ticked off. You know what Christians should do? Lean into that curiosity. Value the power of listening. Say, hey, you got a problem. Let me listen to your problems. I'm going to point you to this man by the name of Jesus. Now, I get it. Some of us, you're, you're here and you're like, hey, I'm, maybe you came for baptisms. Maybe you just are like, I'm trying this out because my friend forced me, my spouse made me, and I want to have a, a good lunch after. Here's my thing. We are a church that listens. Whatever's taking place in your life, we want to talk about it. We say this all the time. Whatever you come in here with, let's talk about it. This isn't one of those stuffy churches where it's like, hey, you know, leave your issues in the parking lot, come in here, you got to be a new man. Nope. We're like, hey, your issue out there is your issue in here, and you know who can deal with your issue the best? Jesus. And we're over here like saying, hey, we'll help you because we're all imperfect people in progress, and we all have issues. Can I get an amen? amen. So Jesus goes, what do you want? Pulls at their heart, pulls at what they're going through. And then John chapter 1, verse 38 they replied, Rabbi, where are you staying? They didn't know what to do. Can we just hang out with you? Look, Jesus never tells us that you have to have all the answers. Jesus never tells us you have to have the fix. Jesus tells us, hey, just walk with somebody in relationship. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus puts it this way, says the second greatest command that you can ever have is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. I love what David Augsburger said this, and I wanted to get this quote why. He said, he said, being heard is so close to being loved that for an average person, they are almost indistinguishable. That means when someone listens, they feel loved. How well are you listening? Are you valuing the power of listening? Very first words in John's gospel that Jesus says was in form of a question. Are we valuing God's listening? Right now, I mean, we all see the conflicts that are taking place. My challenge to you, my encouragement to you, don't be people that lead with the right answer, with everything figured out. Ask the question. And that leads me to observation number two for us. Say, good listeners share good news by what? Simply asking questions. I already mentioned that Jesus' first words in John's gospel was, was a question. Jesus interacted with them people differently. Other translations put Jesus' question this way, what do you seek or what are you looking for? There's this void in these followers' lives. 
In the Bible, there are 307 questions that Jesus asked along with another 183 questions that are asked to Jesus. You know how many direct responses that Jesus gave? Theologians argue this. Out of that, all these hundreds of questions, Jesus only maybe gave eight direct answers. Theologians would even stress, no, there's only actually three direct answers Jesus gave, specifically when it comes to people who are far from God, who don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. And in other words, there's 40 times greater chance that Jesus is going to ask a question than Jesus is going to be right and say he's right. I don't know what you followed lately, but maybe that can preach a little bit to God's church, right? Like, maybe we need to do more question asking than we need to be like, hey, I know everything. I got it all figured out. I have the answers. You need to know what's up. If you're watching CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, oh, yeah, they're right. Jesus would be like, oh, yeah, you feel that way? Oh, you're going through that? Let me ask you a question. Like, what's really intrinsically going on inside? In the study, Reviving Evangelism, this Barna Research Group, they found this. This is perceptions people's reality. What you perceive is what is real to you. And they've, they did this a kind of statement, 100%. Okay, millennials are the largest workforce in America right now. From Gen X to millennials, they say this, according to this statement, is disagreement interpreted as judgment? 100% millennials that were asked that question, they said yes. Like, what? If I disagree with someone, it means I'm just, like, no, you and I know that we can disagree, like, right? Commonality says we can disagree on some things, but I'm not going to judge you for it. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever had this experience. When I hang out with people, um, when I meet them for the first time, the, the simple question of, hey, what do you do for a living comes up. You know, I, sometimes I'm a, I like to be like, I'm a salesman, you know, like I'm selling Jesus, you know, like, but I don't uh, because that's blasphemy and I, I don't sell Jesus. He's not a product. He's a life transformative savior. Uh, but to mess with people, sometimes I'll say I'm a, 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 a salesman. Uh, but most of the time I tell people I'm a pastor. And you know what usually happens when I tell people I'm a pastor? They're like, well, that's cool, man. Like, this awkward, don't really know how to take And instantly, I see their walls kind of rise. They look at me, and I'm not ashamed of it. I tell people I'm a pastor. Their walls rise, and instantly in their mind, they go, us versus you. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. But by what they've seen, what they've experienced, their worldview is Christians are very judgmental. Maybe you know some pretty good judgmental Christians. Maybe you are one of those really good judgmental Christians. And we've kind of been kind of destroying that thinking these, this past several weeks. But what happens is their guards raise. So before I can even have a conversation with them, I, like... Uh, their walls are raised, so it becomes an us versus them. How you break down that wall is simply asking questions, is engaging with them. Hey, what's taking place in your life? How are your kids doing? Hey, what's vacation? What's the hot spot? Hey, did you watch the game last night? Hey, well, I, like, is there anything I can talk to you about? Anything I can pray with you about? You'd be, your mind would be blown by, hey, can I pray with you about something? Ask questions. 
It's the way we break down those, those stereotypes. It's the way we break down those per, uh, per, perceived thoughts. But many people, when it comes to stumbling and sharing the gospel, don't want to ask the question, just want to share the fact. So you're willing to ask some questions? Like, you and I both know that, hey, you can disagree. Like, hey, you can be over here, you can be over here. We can come together in commonality on Jesus Christ and what he can do in someone's life. But God, be willing to ask some questions. So we see this when the statement goes up. See, we live in this, this time where people don't want to ask questions, but it's one of the most important tools that we have when it comes to listening. Jesus asked questions to get people thinking about him. Jesus was always, I mentioned earlier, always asked questions. So in Mark chapter 8, verse 27, Jesus and the disciples left Galilee. They went up to villages of near Caesarea Philippi. And as they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say I am? So Jesus asked his disciples this, hey, who are others? What's the crowd saying who I am? And really what Jesus is saying to his disciples is, who are you saying I am? He's getting them to think on the work and the goodness of Jesus on him and what they're seeing and experience in the form of a question. We also see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 27, when it comes to worries in life, Jesus says this, can all of your worries add to a single moment of life? Sometimes I use that with my friends, people who are far from God, don't know God. I said like, hey, I see that you have a lot of worry in life. I see that you have a lot of stress in life. Is your stress and worry, like, is that going to make this 24 hours longer? I'm like, hey, don't worry. Like, let's hang out. Let's talk. We also see when it comes to challenging or questioning someone's faith, and Jesus is trying to help people explore that faith. This is Matthew chapter 9, 26, where we see these two blind men, and they're following Jesus into this room. It says, they went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, do you believe? I can make you see, Jesus asked. Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. So he asked them about their faith. They go through that. Go through that process. Ask questions. Ask questions is essential to helping and showing people we are listening. So are you a person that asks questions? Are you a person that says, you know what? You might ask the question, but I have all the answers. Two different mindsets when it comes to sharing our faith. There's also this next insight that we can pull from this, this passage. We point people to discovery. We point people to discovery. In John chapter 1, verse 39, we see this is Jesus' response when he says, hey, where are you staying? What are you going through? And and if you're ready to get baptized, I would encourage you. You can get up, get ready, situated. Our, our locker rooms are right over there. But in John chapter 1, verse 39, Jesus says this. He said to them, come and you will see. Come and you will see. I love how the ESV translation put it. Uh, because it's, Jesus doesn't say, here's the facts. Here's what's going to take place. Here's the, the, the points. Jesus says, come and you will see. He invites them on and into relationship. The seven words that Jesus opens up with in the New Living Translation is this. He says, what do you want? Come and see. What do you want? Come and see. I think it's fascinating. 
What Jesus does, he points people to discovery. My, my sons, um, I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and uh, they're discovering themselves. What irritates them, what makes them happy, like their emotions, how to process that. My boys are super competitive. Uh, their mother is a whole nother level of competitive to the point like we can't play certain <laughs> board games because like we want the night to go well, if you know what I'm saying. Like there's things off the table that we do not engage in because we want to have like a good night. You know, dad wants to have a good night, but my boys get competitive. And so I see this kind of like I'm seeing my, my boys raise, uh, get grown. And, and, and as they're developing, I'm like, okay, I know they're super competitive. I know they got this edge. I know that there, there's some frustrating triggers they have. Um, how do I help them discover how to navigate that? How do I help them when dad's not around in a controlled environment, help them process that? So I will intentionally do things like this. My oldest one, I'll stack the deck against him versus the younger one. So he can't win the game. People are like, Pastor Blake, that's manipulative. That's not right. That's wrong. No, what, what I'm trying to help my son discover is that there's some things that you're going to be frustrated in life. I'm going to be here to help you process that in life, but there's going to be a point when I'm not always with them, but I have to help them discover how to handle that correctly in life. See, I think a lot of times we fall into this rut of we just want to give people the facts, give people the answers. I give you the answer. I've done my job. I tell you about Jesus, I've done my job, wash my hands. When really what we need to be encouraging people is help them to come to a life of discovery. If you've looked at the story a little bit later on, we see that it's this man by the name of Andrew who's a follower of John the Baptist who then becomes a disciple of Jesus, okay? But Andrew's brother is this man by the name of Simon. Peter is popular in scripture. People know Peter. But if it wasn't for Andrew being filled, following Jesus at the beginning, would, would Peter ever know Jesus? If, if Andrew wasn't curious, if Andrew didn't go discover who Jesus was, would, would Peter ever really come and experience Jesus, become this figure that would speak to thousands of people? Curiosity. When we point people to discovery, what we're doing is we're letting them lead into relationship with Jesus, own that relationship for themselves, versus trying to say, hey, you need to have a relationship. Less proclamation, more understanding. It's like with my sons. We foster an environment where they can have a relationship with Jesus that they can own, that mom and dad aren't going to lord over them. And we pray over that every day. We listen to the right kind of music. We watch the right kind of TV. We ask questions. We answer questions. We push them. We discipline them. You got to help people, point people to discovery so they get it for themselves. In Proverbs 20, verse 12, it says, The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. God's given us two ears, two eyes, so that we can discover his magnificence in our life. Here in just a moment, we're going to dive into our baptisms. And what I love about Baptism Sunday, we celebrate life's change. We celebrate people making a step, going public with their faith, is it's these people have discovered for themselves 
the good news of Jesus Christ, the transformation gospel. Church, I want to encourage you, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, no matter uh, uh, what you're faced against, no matter who's in your circle, your sphere, be people that listen. Don't be people that just come and say that they got all the answers, but be someone that journeys with someone, that listens, that engages, that asks questions, and points people to discovery. So I'm going to close right now, and we're in the first. Uh, Pray for those uh, who are processing what it means to follow Jesus. I said it earlier, following Jesus is is hard following Jesus. Jesus did something extremely hard, difficult, unfathomable for each and every one of us so we can have a relationship with him. He did the hard work, the heavy lifting. The scripture says when you believe in the work of Jesus, how he went on the manger, went to the cross, is now as the king of kings, he's manger, and then we and then we see the cross and we see him being the Lord of lords when we experience that, understand that, hold on to that. The scripture says we are saved. And then whatever, whenever you do accept Jesus into your life, make him the Lord leader, ruler of your life by believing that he came as an ordinary man, went to the cross for you and I, for our sins, and God raised him from the grave. Bible's very clear. You are saved. You're like, man, Pastor Blake, that's all it takes. I'm like, that's all it takes for us because Jesus did the hard work. Jesus did the real work. And after you accept Jesus as your Lord and leader of your life, in an act of obedience, you then are to be baptized. You then are to be baptized. That's why I love Baptism Sunday. You got all these people who they're seeing the, the, the works of God in their life. And then they're like, I'm going to be obedient to the work of God in their life. Well, we pray every, every Sunday, every time we have a service, we want to pray over those who are trying to figure out where's Jesus at in their life. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and leader of your life, we have a team behind these curtains. They want to pray with you. They will talk with you. They'll let you get baptized today, now. We have shorts. We have shirts. We have body spray. We even have deodorants. Like, we got it all for you. Like, if you feel like you need to be baptized and, and you're, like, don't know where you're at and you're, you feel like, but you just know that you want to follow Jesus in your life, the scripture is very clear. I would encourage you to do that. Get baptized. So we want to pray for those making a decision to follow Jesus. And we also want to pray for those who maybe are that Christian in this place. You've been doing a lot of talking, not a lot of listening. We have to be reminded. Let's be listeners first, like James encourages us. Let's pray together, church. Give the better heads. God, we give you this time right now. We worship you. We praise you. We call on your name. And we just say thank you for this day where we celebrate lives going public declaring you the Lord and leader of their lives, that their lives are transformed, that these people are living in obedience. God, we pray for those making a decision to follow you today. We pray that you continue to work in their life. We pray that you lead them in their life, give them assurance and give them empowerment to do what you've called them to do in this life, new in this new life that they're living. And Lord, we're praying as a church, as faith, that we are great listeners, that we're known by our mark of listening. So, Lord, we give you today. 
We celebrate the changed lives in your great and holy name. We all say amen. Hey, thanks for being here. We're going to dive in to some baptisms. Hey, and let's make sure we are celebrating these lives that are being changed. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.